Did you know, folks, that Jason Patrick is Jackie Gleason's grandson? And you might not say that they look alike, but if you look at pictures of a young Jackie Gleason, I think you can see some family resemblance there. So, the star of The Lost Boys was a grandson of Jackie Gleason. Okay, folks, back with Jay Cassing, the knowledgeable Jay Cassing. Uh, here, Pete Moss, of course, uh, to talk to you about walking down memory lane, TV, the sixties. And as we promised you, we we're going to pick up prime time for family entertainment, which there was a bunch of good stuff in the sixties. Uh, and, you know, kind of changed tone throughout the sixties. Uh, the early sixties, you know, started kind of an extension of the fifties. And then around 65, 66, the uh, counterculture, or as we like to call them back then, the hippie culture, uh, kind of kicked in and uh, everything got a little bit more open, a little more freewheeling. And, uh, but we, st- we start off mentioning the Jack Benny show, sure. which was a longtime radio show from the 30s and 40s, uh, had been turned into a television show in the 50s. And, Carried on through the mid sixties. Uh, I'd have to believe that was a difficult. You know, it's one thing to do a radio show, but right. now you're you're transitioning this to television, and how's it going to look? You know, we've mm-hmm. been imagining this show on radio, and now we're we're thinking about well, what what does this and, house look like? What is right. how does how does Rochester enter the scene, and who you know all what's this? No what does that fault that he goes through all of those little traps and stuff? You know, getting to where yes. people would imagine them before. Now they had to, you know, actually show them, and and they pulled it off. They, they did very well. Obviously, it kept fact. going for years and years and years, and loved it, rated well, and oh, it was yeah. only because he chose to end it. Right. Right. He, he decided he was going to retire finally, you know, and uh, uh, of course, the show featured, uh, you know, a lot of people. Uh, of course, you had Mel Blank, who did voices, and he always did the sound of the uh, Maxwell. Yes. Rochester, start up the Maxwell. I mean, you know, and he, he was the sound man. Uh, on the show on the radio, and he transitioned, and he played uh, bit characters too, right? Uh, like the taxi cab driver that would take people to the airport or the uh, uh, railroad station and cry and cry. Oh, I just hate to say goodbye, you know. I, I, and of course, Mel Blank. Uh, you could do a whole show just on on his body of work alone. Uh, matter of fact, I was watching. Uh, <laughs> Buck Rogers Saturday night. It's only because it's between Star Trek and Kolchak the Night Stalker. Uh, but uh, Mel Blanc was the voice of that little robot Tweaky. Hey, Buck. And yeah, it was unmistakably Mel Blanc's voice. Yes. Uh, then you had Sheldon Leonard, who, you know, most of the time he would play the uh, racetrack town. Hey, buddy. Who, yeah. me? Uh, yeah, you. Come here, pal. 
you're going to take quite, the, what train are you taking back east? The super chief. Uh-uh. 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 You know, so he was the racetrack tout. You know. He became quite the television producer because he produced the Nick Van Dyke show. Oh, yeah. And the Danny Thomas show. And, and Andy Griffith. That's right. And Sanford and Son later on in the 70s. Uh, he, he, was, uh, he was active in uh, on Gomer Pyle, too. I, you know, the guy <laughs> made a ton of money uh, being a producer. And, and of course, his partnerships with uh, Carl Reiner, yeah, uh, were just you know, I mean, re- yielded amazing results. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, Sheldon Leonard, but but you know, and he was great as the racetrack. To, yeah, he pal, you know, <laughs> he was just perfect. Uh, and then there was his announcer Don Wilson, Don. you know, who Jack would say, "Now, Don, cut that out." That was one of his taglines. Got that out, and who but Jack Benny could get away with a tagline of, well, I mean, that's a tagline. Yes. And everybody knew when you did, you know, put your hand on your cheek and said, well, that was Jack Benny. You know, I mean, amazing. You know, what a talent. And then, of course, his butler, or Man Friday, whatever you want to call it, uh, Eddie Rochester Anderson. Uh, old Rochester, you know, and uh, yeah, boss, he had that gravelly voice, uh, just comedy gold, comedy gold, you know, you, you, you're not, uh, and of course, irre- irreproducible now, you know, what I mean, uh, forget it. Yeah. Uh, you, you, and then you had the Red Skelton show, another guy had transitioned from radio into TV. Right. Uh, and lasted in 1971, uh, actually changed networks. So CBS canceled him and, uh, he went over the last two years to NBC. He was crushed, just crushed over it. Uh, cause, uh, CBS decided that they were going to, uh, restructure things and become more sophisticated. Yeah. Right. That happened. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, he had characters that he played himself. One of which was Freddie the Freeloader, the hobo. Uh, kind of a hobo, you know. And he was uh, he had his face painted like a clown. It was a kind of a happier Emmett Kelly. Right. Uh, you had Clem Cadiddlehopper, yeah, who was a uh, hick from the uh, sticks. Uh, Cauliflower McPug, who was a boxer, you know, right? Uh, which way did they go? One of those kind of deals. Uh, Dead Eye, who was a incompetent sheriff back in the old west days, <laughs> yeah, he was a good character. What? Uh, G- George Appleby, that he was the henpecked husband. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what henpecked husband is, well. It's just somebody whose wife is always on them. A little overbearing. Uh, a little overbearing, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, San Fernando Red, who was a uh, real estate agent. Uh, and, of course, this is back in the day when the San Fernando Valley was just considered as nothing but worthless desert. And so he was always trying to sell something, which, of course, it did turn into, you know, greater L.A., Right. Uh, how did he? I, how did he end his show? Because it was always the same tagline. 
Yep. And it was, good night, and may God bless. Didn't he always uh, lick his fingers and take something to his hair or something? It's almost like the, the Carol yeah, Burnett show where she tugs her ear. Scratch his head or something yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I don't know the significance of that, you know, although mm-hmm. I do with Carol Burnett, but I, right. I, did, I didn't know that. Uh, and then another big comedy variety show transitioning out of the honeymooners was the Jackie Gleason show, which in the early fifties, he had had variety shows, you know, before and the honeymooners grew out of that. It was a skit that grew into a whole, uh, show, but he had a number of characters too, that he played, uh, a little, not so sweet, uh, and, uh, uh, innocent as uh, Red Skelton's uh, had the uh, supercilious mustached playboy millionaire mm, Reginald Van Gleeson the mm. third, and yes. uh, he was always accompanied by two beautiful women, uh, leggy babes as you might call them. Then he had friendly Joe the bartender who would yes. always. Uh, uh, you know, uh, be there, and uh, he he would always uh, have yeah. his foil. Yeah, yeah. yeah over serving crazy. Yeah, crazy Guggenheim. Hey, Joe. Hey, you, Mister Dunahee. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, he was he was great. That was a. Uh, then he had the loudmouth braggart Charlie Bratton. Yeah. which was uh, much like Ralph Cramden. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Rum Dum, which was a hapsly, hapless dipsomaniac with a walrus mustache. And for those of you who don't know what dipsomaniac is, it's an alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> they used to say, well, he suffers from dipsomania, which meant he was a drunk, you know. So, <laughs> but they didn't used to say that back in the genteel days. Uh, and you had mild-mannered Fenwick Babbitt. Mm-hmm. Uh, then The Bachelor, who was forever unmarried. Uh, the, and then there was bombastic uh, Rudy the Repairman. You know, he was one of those uh, plumbers whose pants won't stay up. You know, those kind of guys. But right. he always has an opinion on everything. Uh, and then a put-upon character that was only known as the Poor Soul. And Gleason always performed him in pantomime, never spoke a word as the poor soul. And uh, the poor soul's theme song was was tenderly, you know. And it was, oh, man, I love the poor soul. Yeah. It was just, you know, and I wasn't fond of, uh, of silent movies or anything, but it was just the way Gleason could make his face. You know, without saying a word, you knew exactly what that character was thinking, how he felt. You know, just amazing. Uh, And Stanley Sog, Stanley R. Sog, a late night movie pitch man for Mother Fletcher's products. Yeah. (laughs) Mother Fletcher's no cow chicken fat. (laughs) And then there was, uh, of course, Ralph Cramden, the blowhard Brooklyn bus driver. And the so he Taylor dances, and that the yeah, right? I just remember 
especially him introducing all the and I Connie Sheila McCray. Oh yeah, right in the in the reboot of the of the honeymooners. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, which yeah. was which was what the Jackie Gleason show became in the last oh say two years uh, that it aired. Yeah. It, it was a reboot of the honeymooners with Sheila McCray playing Alice. Right. And uh, I can't remember the gal who played uh, uh, Trixie, but of course, you know, it wasn't going anywhere without uh, Art Kearney as Ed Norton. You yeah, know? absolutely. Norton, you are a mental case. <laughs> hey, hey, Ruffy, baby. Uh, uh, my, my favorite episode of all time with the Honeymooners is when – Ralph is learning to play golf, and they have the book. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Let me show you, yes. here, Ralph." And he goes, "What do we do first? He goes, "Oh, first you address the ball." <laughs> and I go, "Hello, ball." <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe you got to be a golfer to appreciate. That. No, the thing that one of my favorite scenes was when they're trying to move a heavy chest. No. And it's too heavy for 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 Ralph and, and Art Carney to, to carry. And and Carney suggests we take the drawers out. And they do. Mm-hmm. And and Ralph is going, You are a genius. And but they set the chit the, the drawers right on top of the chest. So it's no lighter. They're just put on top. And they they can so easily move it at that point. It was just just <laughs> Just That's so right, so crazy. I, that is true. That is true. They, they take the jets, the drawers out, and put them on top of the thing. <laughs> and they, it's so much lighter, you know. <laughs> uh, just, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, Amazing. So didn't, didn't the Lucy show start in the late sixties? They're kind of a. It's, it's uh, yeah. the same same kind of get up. It's just without Ricky. And she's still yeah. getting the same kind of pickles and yeah, uh, crazy stuff. Right. You know, the old assembly line trying to keep up with right. the candy or whatever, you know. Lots and, of physical and, and, comedy. And it included Vivian Vance, who was also uh uh Ethel Merce. Yeah, and she was Fredless and he she and Lucy was Rickyless, you know. So yes. uh and uh, eventually, I, you know, Vivian Vance left the show, too, and it was just her and Mr. Mooney, the bank manager, where she yeah. worked. And, uh, uh, you know, she would have famous guest stars on and all of that. And, you uh, know, right. uh, uh, again, not as, you know, groundbreaking and all of that as the early I Love Lucy. And, and really, I don't, never thought as funny, but still very entertaining. Right, good family uh, entertainment. Yep, got to give Lucille Ball her due. You know, yes. I mean she uh, she was actually uh, a genius. Yeah, yeah. and uh, as was Desi Arnaz. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, but he was a loser. He could stay away from the bottle, as Lucy would tell us uh, later. You know, so it's just like, yeah, well, you know, his family owned part of Picardy at one point. So what are you, what are you going to say? Then, of course, there was the Carol Burnett show, which. She starred uh, earlier on the uh, the Gary uh, Gary Moore uh, the Gary, Gary Moore, Moore show That's with right. Derwood Derwood Kirby, right. and you know they decided again, you know 
groundbreaking for a woman to have a show like that. Yes. Uh, at the time of her own and be the, you know, obvious boss, main star, you know, everything revolve around her. Yeah. And of course, uh, it had the great cast around her uh, on a regular basis. Also, every week have great guest stars. Yes. You know, the aforementioned Vic Damone. Uh, oh, yeah. I saw a rerun here, I think, over the weekend with uh, Mel Torme, sure. uh, you know, and they would do, uh, dance routines and songs and then do comedy skits. And I always, you know, I would, I, I never cared for the, the singing and dancing stuff. Uh, I, I would be, be interested in the comedy part. He had Harvey Corman, which, you know, late, who later of course played, uh, Hedley Lamar in uh, Blazing Saddles. Right. Uh, Just waiting for him to hit his head on the window, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and also, he was the voice of the great gazoo on the Flintstone. He was. Indeed, with yes. Harvey Carmen. Yeah. 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 And he did, uh, he did fall in with Mel Brooks pretty well. And he was, I saw an interview with him recently uh, where he said he was real nervous about it. And uh, that when they, you know, started going on Blazing Saddles, they just, they started playing off each other and it, it ended up great. And of course, he had great practice playing off somebody at a Carol Burnett show sure. with Tim Conway, oh, yeah. who who was also in a 60s show uh, a la Hogan Hero, Hogan's Heroes, the McHale's Navy, which, yeah. you know, rather than Germany, it was in uh, the South Pacific. It was a right. PT crew rather than prisoners. Right. But, but, you know. But in the same way, an ensemble cast with uh, half a dozen eight characters in and out. Mm -hmm. uh, but Tim Conway was the perfect foil for oh, yeah. Corman. And, and oh, yeah. So much of the show was waiting for, for the scene to break down and for them to make each other laugh just, just to see if they could get through it. And it was oh, you know, yeah. just so funny. And, and they all would do it to each other all oh, the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so. They, they would do it to each other all the time, you know. Oh. And, 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 it, and it, they're still great to watch, you know. They are. Because you, know, you know it's coming, and you, and you still, you know, it's funny. And, of course, they had Vicki Lawrence – uh, who you know spun off from the from a skit on this Carol Burnett show into her own show, which was uh, what is it? Uh, Mama's the, family. Mama's family. That's right. Almost said that's my mama, but that was Raj and rerun. Uh, that's another show. Oh, that's uh, my mama. That's not right. No, that was, that's that was uh, that was the barbershop. That was Clifton Davis. Oh, that's right. And Ted Lang. Never can say goodbye, Clifton Davis. That's yeah. right. And Ted Lang, who was later the bartender on the Love Boat. Absolutely Isaac, right. And he was the best friend. And he would come in, spinning around. I got it. I got it. And I got to report it. Yeah. Right? That's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. oh, man. And I like that show. I did like that show. Right. Uh, what's what's uh, happening now? Was uh, Raj and rerun? That's right. Well, you'll you'll be correcting me a lot during the seventies, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, the uh, but Vicky Lawrence was recruited for the show 
because she looked like Carol Burnett and could play her sister when they would do those scenes with, uh, was it Carol? And uh, I can't even remember her name and as the sister. Uh, and uh, uh, Carvey Corman would play the husband, Roger. Uh, and then you had the uh, pretty boy, Lyle Wagoner, uh, who was uh, doubled as, as, uh, as an announcer in many cases and uh, played different parts here and there uh, throughout the show. But uh, he was, uh, well, he was a face man. He was right. Now in the last season or two, did not Dick Van Dyke join this group? Dick Van Dyke came on there uh, many times, but I don't know if he was part of the normal, you know, the weekly ensemble. Uh, It could be that they were. He was because, of course, as we all know now, Dick Van Dyke uh, took a dive into the bottle uh, at the height of his success uh, on the uh, early, you know, the earlier Dick Van Dyke show, also, which we're going to mention here in a little bit. And uh, uh, he, it could have been that they had him on a lot to kind of help rehab his career. Uh, You know, this was all, that would all be post Mary Poppins and all of the other stuff that he did. Uh, And of course, his brother, Jerry Van Dyke, always used to make the joke in stand up that, you know, my dad passed out straws and said, okay, which one of you wants to be Jack, uh, Dick Van Dyke? And he says, I got the short one, you know, so, uh, <laughs> the, uh, and didn't get to be Dick. I had to be Jerry. So, uh, at any rate, they, yeah, bewitched. Oh yeah. Another big primetime family, uh, thing, you know, it had adult situations. It also had things for kids. It was, it really kind of appealed to to all levels uh, and ages. Of course, Elizabeth Montgomery playing Samantha the Witch. And it was loosely based on the movie Bell, Book, and Candle with uh, Kim Novak and uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, and, uh, you know, very loosely based. Uh, and then you had Darren Stevens, the husband, played by two guys, uh Dick York and Dick Sargent, which I always used to think that's weird, you know, because together their names make Sergeant York, you know, but, uh, uh, at any rate, that had never, Dick, that had never occurred to me, but it just hit me, you know, one day I'm like, wow, you know, that's, that's different. Those uh, were two and, totally different Darren's. Yes. And, and the, the Dick York, Dick York was, Darren was excellent. He was, he was eminently likable, but Dick Sargent to me was always seemed to be just a tad angry. Out of place. And out of place. Yeah. And that's that's a tough role to come in for somebody who did a role so well. And and everybody knows you're the new guy, right? Just stepping Mm -hmm. into the role. It's tough. But they had, you know, celebrity Agnes Moorhead playing Dora who, you know, just an incredible career this lady had back from the the old Orson Welles, the Mercury players, you know, it's just remarkable Mm -hmm. that she would do television. Although I don't know 
what options she had at that point, but it was a great role. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then Maurice Evans as the oh. estranged husband of Endor. Yes. Uh, you know, a star Maurice. in his own right. You oh, know, no Maurice Evans. Uh, 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 Uncle Arthur, played by Paul Lind. <laughs> Love Paul Lind. He right. just always cracked me up. You know, my uh, kids, my kids in watching this show loved uh, Aunt, what's her name? Esmeralda. Alice uh, Ghostly. Yeah. Was that who it was? No, it was Aunt Clara. Aunt Clara. Aunt Clara, who always saved the doorknobs. Yes. She was She was very kind lovable. Lovable, kind of a, absent-minded, yes. could remember a spell, could get, yeah. you know, yeah. Kind of a what we'd call senile pre uh, yes, that's Alzheimer's, right. you that's know. Right. Yeah, and uh, she would yeah, she would get the spells mixed up. She would yeah. uh, try to create a uh, pony for uh, uh, Tabitha, the little daughter, and uh, you know they'd end up with a giraffe in the backyard, or so you know. Right. And then well, of she, course the neighbor who was oh. Gladys Kravitz would see it, Abner. Abner, played by Alice Pierce, uh, and Abner uh, Kravitz was played by George Tobias, uh, who you'll probably see in the on July Fourth if you're like me and you almost always watch sometime during the day. Uh, I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy, He's or Yankee show. Doodle Dandy, starring. Uh, James Jimmy Cagney as George M. Cohan, yeah. but uh, one of the uh, George Tobias plays a guy that wanted to be their partner but wasn't. But this That's and that, right? And uh, he 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 uh, he he had a decent career before uh, before yeah. uh, the show, but he'd probably always be known more as Abner Kravitz. Yeah. Uh, then you had uh, David White as Larry Tate, yeah. uh, you know, Darren's boss. Uh, Tabitha, cutest little gal in the world and grew up to be a cute adult, too. Uh, Aaron Murphy. And then Adam, the son, which I barely remember him. That was toward the end of the show, uh, played by Greg Lawrence. And uh, good show, you know, great uh, premise, uh, great situations. Then you have somebody that we mentioned before, uh, who was a uh, the star of which was played uh, Maynard Krebs on the Dobie Gillis show. That's right. Uh, that would be Bob Denver as Gilligan on yes. Gilligan's Island. Yeah. And the skipper was played by Alan Bob Hale Jr. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Marianne Summers, played by Don Wells. Uh, who just recently passed away, you know, early, uh, I think it was early this year or late last year. Uh, and Ginger Grant, the movie star, played by Tina Louise, yes. who is still with us. And, of course, as a preteen, teen-type boy, the question for us was always Marianne or Ginger. If you know yes. what I mean, I think you do. Yeah, but uh, always, that also paused into uh, Veronica or Betty. 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, which right. we discussed earlier. Yeah, yeah. as uh, in the Archies, you know, That's for right. sure, Archie. Comments. And and the answer to the question would be Marianne. I always liked Marianne too, but man, that ginger was glamorous. She was she certainly was. And then, of course, the 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 great Jim Backus as Thurston Howell Third, yeah. the millionaire, yeah. uh, who also did the voices of uh, Mr. Magoo, yeah. uh, and uh, Natalie Schaefer as Eunice or Lovely Howell, yeah. and then the Professor, played by Russell Johnson, and so, uh, so why you know they're on an island together. Yes. Why are they still calling them Mr. Howell and Mrs. Howell? Why wouldn't they just call them by their first names? I mean, you'd think the formality would kind of go the wayside. And yeah. Now, it wasn't until years later that I realized that this show was centered around the seven deadly sins. What? Gilligan is the devil. He's wearing red. And the skipper was sloth. Greed, Mr. Howell, uh, and or gluttony, maybe, uh, for uh, the skipper, and uh, and on and on with all the seven deadly sins, which I cannot remember, but uh, lust, I guess, for ginger, and uh, so, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking that's really was that a central theme, or was this just some sort of uh, internet meme that I'm not, you know. Wise uh, enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody with an overly analytical mind. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. You know, it's interesting to consider. I'd never even heard of that or considered it, but yeah. uh, something to think about. Something yeah. to think about. And to Google about. Probably. And to Google about. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we move on to Mr. Ed. Oh, oh. Wilbur. That is a, this is a vastly underrated show. It didn't last particularly long, but it was really mm-hmm. a fun. And it's because of Alan Young. Mm-hmm. Alan Young was just so incredible. Alan Young was good in it. He right? Was good. And to play against, you know, the, the foil of a horse, right, is not an easy thing to do. And to treat him the way he did as an, you know, as an adult, right? Another adult in the room, kind of. Right, right. Uh, was just so great. And of course, I, I got to believe that it was, it was a love affair that lasted the rest of his life. Everyone knew him this way. And he would make <laughs> yeah. appearances everywhere. And it's all anybody wanted to talk about. But his wife was wonderful too. Connie Hines. Yeah. As Carol Post. Yeah. Yeah, I saw her recently in an old episode of uh, Perry Mason. Did you? And she, and she was good. She was good as the ingenue. Oh, yes. uh, yeah. And, of course, Rad, Roger Addison, the neighbor, the cranky neighbor, played by Larry Keating. Yeah. And then Colonel Gordon Kirkwood, played by Leon Ames. Leon Ames. Neither of them liked Ed. No. And they both thought that uh, Wilbur was crazy. Uh, and, and of course, that's part of the charm of the show, you know, sure. And the, and the attraction. Sure. And who another did, who, who did the voice of Mr. Ed? Alan Lane actually did Mr. Ed's voice, and Mr. Ed himself, the, the way they could get him to move his lips so that they could, you know, uh, insert in the uh, dialogue was they would put peanut butter 
on his gums. <laughs> and he would <laughs> move his lips across him and we're going to try and get that peanut butter off. Of course, he wanted the peanut butter. You know, sure, and, sure. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, and they said that, you know, but, but he liked it so much that even after retiring and the show was over, uh, I heard Alan Young say that, you know, you, he would go and visit Mr. Ed and, uh, you know, just to see him and he would come out doing his lip thing, you know, and, uh, which I thought was kind of neat, you know, that's, that's stuck with Mr. Ed. Uh, he like uh, Norma Desmond was trying to make a comeback. I guess yes. He uh, she was Time he was ready for, for his close up, up. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Deville. And I think sixties uh, was dominated in my mind by the Andy Griffith Show. Oh, absolutely! Talk about wholesome family entertainment. That was Andy Griffith, and it was in an mm-hmm. ensemble cast. And he's the only seemingly normal guy in the show, and everybody else is kind of goofy or odd. Well, maybe that's just Barney, right? Uh, well, no, Uber, yeah. you know, and most most of the people, uh, you know, uh, and, and most of the other men in the show are goofballs, yeah, uh, of of one type or another. You know, of course, you got Andy Taylor played duh by uh, Andy Griffith, Opie right. Taylor by. Ronnie Howard, uh, or Ron Howard, as he likes to be called these days, uh, Barney Fife by the irreplaceable and inimitable Don Knotts. I I mean, you know, uh, Gomer Pyle was Jim, you know, there's a goof for you, Jimmy, Jim Neighbors, uh, Goober Pyle, played by George Lindsay. Judy, Judy, Judy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Floyd right. Lawson, the oh, barber. Oh, oh, he's a he's a good boy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh that'd be a great idea. And you know who who did the best imitation of Howard McNair that I that I still to this day have ever seen is uh, 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 Eugene Levy. Uh, oh. he, he, he used to do that on SCTV, and it was like, oh, oh Andy, you know, it was perfect. It was just perfect. He kind of looks like him too, you know. So yeah, he, they yeah. they made him up in the glasses and everything, and it oh, just yeah. was perfect, you know. And then uh, you have Otis Campbell, played by Hal Smith, the yes. town drunk. Ah, oh, fantastic character. Yeah. Uh, and, and not in every episode, in no. in quite a few of them, you know, even yeah. as, if it's just a cameo. Uh, I was watching the uh, one of my favorite episodes, which is the Fun Girls, who were played by Joyce Jameson and Gene Carson. You know, Gene Carson was, you know, <laughs> hey, Bernie. And then, of course, Joyce Jameson, well, she would hook up with Andy. Hi, dolls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Deep, gravelly voice. Hi, doll. You know, Barney, get them girls out of here. Uh, but they were in the cell, and uh, Otis came in drunk, of course, on Saturday night and let himself in. Barney, Barney, help me. My cell's full of women. Uh, great scene, great scene. But 
But yeah, Hal Smith was fantastic. Of course, Francis Bavier, his Aunt B, yeah. played the part to a T. She was quite the the Broadway actress uh, when she got that part. Uh, I I saw her in a I, I can't remember what Jerry Lewis movie she was in. Uh, she played his mother, but you know she had quite a resume, and she always felt like you know she was uh, maybe a little bit more qualified than the rest of the people. And and later I understand she kind of regretted that you know she had kind of an attitude, but uh, but be, uh, again you didn't see it on screen. No. You know, I mean, she was she was perfect. Of course, no. Andy had various girlfriends uh, throughout and, the show, and I always liked the first one, Ellie Who? Walker. Ellie Walker, I liked. Oh yeah, 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 the first one. Yeah, yeah, which uh, Eleanor Donahue, who made her acting chops in Father Knows Best Father as the Knows oldest daughter, Best. and later, yeah. later to end up the girlfriend of of uh, Felix uh, on uh, The Odd Couple. Uh, so, uh, yeah. she. Oh, no, she was she was good. But she, they felt that she didn't fit in quite with the rest of the cast. Because, again, she wasn't really goofy. She wasn't Southern, no. you know. Although, like you say, I, you know, as a, as a uh, person watching it, as a fan, didn't didn't make that big of a difference to me, right? Uh, maybe a little over over analysis there. Maybe so. of course there was uh, Peggy McMillan, uh, played by Joanna Moore, beautiful beautiful woman. Yep, uh, blonde from Georgia originally. She had the accent for sure, just down pat. Uh, and of course, uh, the biggest mistake she ever made in her life was marrying Ryan O'Neill. Uh, <laughs> she, she and Farrah Fawcett made that same mistake. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, funny, both of them ended up being drug addicts after that. It's mm. uh, something about it. Maybe they had something in common. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like him. Uh, but yeah, she's, she's Tatum O'Neill's mom and we're Tatum O'Neill's gets her looks. Um, and then of course there was school teacher, Helen Crump yeah. played by Anita Corso. And I'm given to understand in some, you know, uh, 2020 hindsight research or my, you might say 2020 pandemic research because, you know, you had time on your hands last year. Uh, Anita Corso and uh, Andy Griffith uh, kind of had a thing for each other off screen too, uh, oh. and uh, and he was married at the time, you know, and uh, uh, he, supposedly he wanted to marry her, you know, and she said no, uh-uh. no, it's, I'm not going to break up your marriage, and so uh, uh, and she was also you you may if you like. Uh, old movies and so forth. She was in the blob as the love interest of Steve McQueen uh, before that. Then you had Betty Lynn who played Thelma Lou. I think mm -hmm. that's the only part she ever really had. Mm -hmm. uh, if not, who would know it, you know, other than being on Matlock later, you yeah. know, cause 
she's Andy Griffith's buddy. Right. Uh, then you have one of my favorite characters of all television of all time, Ernest T. Bass. Yeah. Howie Morris. Yeah. Played by Howie Morris. Fabulous it's character. Me, it's me. It's Ernest T. Uh, of oh. course, Howie Morris was very talented. Uh, was a writer and also starred on. It uh, uh, was in many of the skits on the uh, Sid Caesar show. Mm-hmm. Uh, good friend of Carl Reiner's. Uh, he, he did the voice of uh, Adam Ant. He was uh, also uh, the a lot of different cartoon voices. He did the pet shop owner and Miguel Gorella, uh, Mr. Peebles. Uh, he just, you know, he could do all kinds of things as well as being in, uh, again, one of his fellow writers from the Sid Caesar show, Mel Brooks's things, uh, too. Uh, yeah, Howie Morris, he was, and, and that classic scene where he's beating on that gas can, uh, and reciting that, uh, that song that he made up. It just, oh gosh. It's just hilarious. I always like I always like the, the, the Pygmalion episode where they're they're trying he wants to get married. Ernest he wants to get oh, married. Yeah, yeah. And he and they so they kind of put him through a, a finishing school of sorts and making him polite. How do you do, Mrs. Wiley? And, do you right? do Mrs. Wiley? <laughs> and then and then he would always pick up the girl, right? And it was just Oh, just, yeah, and her name was Ramona, and he called her oh, Romina. <laughs> Romina, Romina. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, of course, that gal that played Romina, she was the uh, she was the Audrey that the uh, the plant was named after in the Little Shop of Horrors, the original Little Shop of Horrors. Oh. Uh, yeah, she, she played that part. Uh, but, but yeah, all oh, that is a great episode. Yeah. And she said, I knew something was wrong. You remove this creature. I ain't no creature. You know, I mean, oh my gosh. So good. So good. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, and of course I always loved the family who were his nemeses. Uh, which would be Dar- Briscoe Darling, played yep. by Denver Pyle. And his whole uh, family, all 27 yeah. of them. Uh, it, it, well, actually, I think it was four boys named the Darling Boys. And you, they never, and they gave different names for them a couple of times in the, in the show. The first time they gave them these names, and then the la- later episodes they were in, they used their real names because they were actually from the band, the Dillards, which was a couple of brothers, the Dillard brothers, the bluegrass band, uh, extremely talented. They actually played the music that the Darling boys were supposedly playing mm-hmm. <laughs> when Denver by pile blowing into the jug, you know, uh, oh, I thought I heard banjos in here. I can do all kind of sounds with this jug, get banjos, guitars and even bass fiddle you know and uh so uh and and you know denver Pyle or briscoe darling would always say oh the boys are very are really keyed up right now and they'd show them 
And of course, they'd just be standing there with their mouths hanging open. Yeah. <laughs> You're going, Keyed up. Are you wow. kidding me? Uh, but they were great. Uh, and then you had uh, Skippy and Daphne, of course, the fun girls. We mentioned them already. Had a couple of mayors, Mayor Pike, which was played by Dick Elliott. <laughs> and and my, yeah, he's a little, little roly poly guy. With the list. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think he had like one of those cigar lisps, you know, that guy, because they yeah. always had a cigar hanging yeah. out of the yeah. corner yeah. of the mouth. And uh, then they had Mayor Stoner played by Parley Bear, great actor in his own right. You know, he, he he's done a lot of stuff. And then they had little Leon, who would be in a cowboy suit, and he'd offer everybody a bite out of his peanut butter sandwich. Never said a word in the show. He actually said one word in uh, in a commercial they made, which was, Leon, what brand of peanut butter do you like? And he said, Skippy. You know, and and that was the only word that Leon as a character ever spoke, but it wasn't in the show. He never talked, and he would, you know, and they go, no, thanks, Leon. And they pull that sandwich back down, you know, and it's just like, oh, man, that's that's classic stuff. And, of course, this show well, spins off another show. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and wind up this episode with this one. And, uh, yep, Gomer Pyle, USMC. Uh, of course, Gomer still played by Jim Neighbors. Right. And Sergeant Carter, played by Frank Sutton, great for that part. I mean, you, you cannot separate Frank Sutton from Sergeant Carter. No. Uh, although he had success uh, in the TV version of the, of the play Marty, <clears throat> which was made with uh, Ernest Borgnine. He right. played one of the friends, you know. Uh, what are you going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? Uh, and, and he was good in that, you know, and he, and he was good in other stuff. But that that was the role that was made for him, was Sergeant Carter. Now, Ernest Borgnine won an Oscar for Marty. Right, right. And that was for the movie. That's for the movie. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. for the movie. Yeah. Right. And... Uh, Ronnie Shell played Duke Gilbert, uh, and uh, Barbara Stewart played uh, Sergeant Carter's girlfriend, right? Which was alternately named Bunny Wilson, Bunny Harper, and Bunny ha- Hannah, and they never explained that. No, it just it, you know, it, it, it may have been some kind of inside thing. Who, who knows? She was actually married to Dick Gautier. Oh, is that uh, right? Yes, yes. She uh, who played uh, Jaime, the robot on Get Smart. Smart. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, Gomer's girlfriend, Miss Luann Poovey. <laughs> I just that name just always makes me laugh. It does. Uh, played by Elizabeth McRae, and then Sergeant Hacker, the the foil of Sergeant Carter, uh, played by Alan Melvin, who, who also later played uh, uh, Sam the Butcher on uh, The Brady Bunch. He was uh, also in two or three episodes of The Dick Van Dyke Show. Yes, he was. Playing and he was old Army two or three episodes of uh, Perry Mason. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and he and he did a lot of voices for cartoons also. He did the voice of Miguel Agrella. You know, that was Alan Melvin. You Never know. Never knew that. Yeah. Knew that. He 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 played a lot and uh uh he did a lot of work with Howie Morris in those in those cartoons mm-hmm. you know those Hanna Barbera cartoons mm-hmm. well folks we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come and wrap everything up uh here uh and again you know we're not intentionally trying to make this go long of course you you kind of go down some side roads but also it just it just lets you know how everything exploded in the 60s not only television but the, the whole culture in the United States just totally went just boomed uh, everything about it economically everything uh, I guess you might say militarily you know you had the Vietnam War uh, but everything just TV wise it just went crazy and so there's a lot of stuff to cover uh, we'll be back in just a minute and we'll promise we're gonna wrap it up remember to become a sponsor of the Boomerography Show, go to www.patreon.com slash boomerography. And for a small $5 subscription fee, you get access to special content available nowhere else. See you next week, folks. <laughs> 